BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Eagle Eye Podcast. Ruben Frank, Dave Zangara. What's up, Dave? We're getting close. We are. We're getting close. A couple days till training camp It's starts. a million degrees outside, too. It's going to cool off, though. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's going to be 89, and we're going to be thinking how cool it is. We're lucky training camp didn't start now or last week. You know, one thing, Doug's pretty good about, like, if it's going to be 100, he'll he'll start earlier. Or, I mean, they're, they're pretty good about, you know, they'll just go an hour and 20 minutes or something. I mean, he seems to be pretty good about understanding that. It's just not that – it's not like it used to be where if it was 100, he'd be like, all right, we're going to go do an extra half hour and toughen these guys up. I think he understands – you know, it's it's dangerous if it's that hot. No work. I mean, they'll get it done, but they'll either start earlier or cut out a cut out a, uh, a drill or two. Yeah, they should just let them have water ice during drills. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, because if Alshon Jeffries catching a pass with a mango water ice in the other hand, that's pretty impressive. You'd probably get that on camera too. I probably would. You probably would if it happened during. Well, we're allowed to take pictures. Yeah. Oh, uh, another stupid thing before we get started. I, I saw there was a video from Emmanuel Acho. He posted it of, of like, a, uh, some sort of antelope dodging a lion. I, I, people thought it was a gazelle. I think it's actually an impala. But anyway, someone asked me about a gazelle uh, for the animal draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think priority free agent. Undrafted, but priority free agent. Going to get a shot in camp. I actually got a, a tweet from somebody who's very interesting that said um, – Dolphins can actually breathe, and that I'd be okay with my. They can actually breathe air, and that I would. Well, be they, o- I guess they do breathe air, but they need water. Well, still, th- there's going to be a jug of water on the sideline for my quarterback. Just like it's going to need to be a big jug in the quarterback. It's going to be a big. It's going to be a big jug. He's of He's going to have to be in the jug of water between plays. And the then dolphins are going to get in the jug. And then the other players don't want to drink the dolphin water. Well, there'll be a separate dolphin jug of water. Okay. But he said he thinks it was, he he tweeted that he thinks it was really a draft pick that had a lot of points. Maybe he can get some guy from Philly with a big pickup truck. You know how people line their truck with mm-hmm. uh, a tarp. Maybe he can just like drive on the field. That's I think that's in the but he, or like Byron Leftwich. Yeah, you know how they they would carry Byron. Yeah, Byron. And one of the guys who carried him was an Eagle offensive lineman. Who's that? That was Steve Shulo. Okay. Steve Shulo went to Mar- – was it Marshall? Marshall, yeah. Yeah, went to Marshall. He was one of the guys that carried Byron Leftwich down the field when he got hurt. But anyway, the guy tweeted to me that information and said, I still think your pick had a lot of porpoise to it. So I, th- I really appreciate him kind of, you know. <sighs> you wish you said it first. Stop it. Yeah. It's your kind of humor. It is my kind of humor, sadly. Since our last podcast, we've had some interesting news. Darren Sproles is There's back. There's always news after the podcast. It's Yeah. Always. We're going to have to do one like every eight hours to kind of keep up to with the To catch up. The to Howie. Howie like waits for the pod to drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He sits in his office and as soon his as a little alert it, on his phone. He does. Podcast is dropped. Yeah. We're going to sign somebody. Uh, but Darren Sproles is back at 36 years old uh, for, what, his 14th NFL season. 15th NFL 15th, season. If yeah. you well, the one year he didn't play in 05. Uh, but yeah, his 15th year in the league. Um, it, it's an interesting move because 36 years old is not a lot of running backs who've had success at that age, or punt returners. 
Uh, I do think he's going to have a limited role in offense, but he's going to take a roster spot from somebody. And let's, you know, let's be honest, despite what you might have read somewhere, he's here. They're not signing him to cut him. He's not competing for a job. When you sign a Darren Sproles, uh, you're committing to him for the year. So that's a roster spot that won't go to someone else, maybe a young player. Now, I, I like the move. I think Darren Sproles is a freak of nature at 36. I think he'll be able to help the team. But it's not as much of a slam dunk as it was I mean, when he got here from New Orleans, he was 31, and he was in his prime. He's not that player anymore. He's not, and uh, I wrote about this. I think the key here is that Doug can't become enamored with Darren Sproles, and we've seen it over the last few years. Uh, there have been times where he, because he, he really trusts him, and I get that. He's a veteran. You kind of know what you have. He's not going to make a foolish mistake. He's not going to fumble. He's not going to fumble. He, he's not going to miss a block. He's going to do everything right. Not that he's always going to make a play, but he's not going to mess up. So I think at times Doug has kind of leaned on him more than he should. Um, I would agree. Yeah, and, and so I think that's the key here is that I really do believe Darren Sproles can help this team. I think they're a better team with him than without him. But a lot of this is going to fall on Doug to not overuse him and to use him in the right way. I mean, he can't become the guy who runs up the middle through the tackles. He's just not that player. Now you have to do a little bit of it just to keep the defense honest, but uh, he has to be – out there on some third downs to block. He has to be um, a receiver out of the backfield. I think they can utilize him in the slot a little bit too. Uh, but you have to limit his touches at this point in his career. Now, when you look at last year, and obviously he, he was dealing with a hamstring all year. The year before, he had the torn knee and the broken arm, both on one play. So he's been through a lot. But uh, you look at the Chicago game, and now the playoff game. Granted, we knew it was kind of be close to the vest, low-scoring game. Uh, but Doug gave him coming off an injury, gave him 13 carries in that game. I, I thought that was a mistake, and he didn't yeah. do a lot with him. He hadn't played much, you know. I mean, he had only come back what five weeks earlier. Yeah, but it is important to note. I'm not sure they make the playoffs without Darren Sproles. I think they do. You think they do? I I don't know. He 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 won that Houston game for them. He had a big game. I, as much as Nick Foles kind of gave the team a jolt last year, I think it's been overlooked how much Darren Sproles meant to the team late in the year. Sproles had a long catch for a first down in that Houston game. Um, but it, I just thought it was a mistake going into the playoffs with him as the number one back. After he was hurt yeah. all year, I don't think he was 100% even when he came back. I think the problem there was Josh Adams had been their lead back, and he got banged up. Um then pretty much benched in the playoffs. They just didn't have a lot of options at that so, point. I mean, I can see us thinking, do I want to go with, with Smallwood here or do I want to go with Darren Sproles? And I, I understand that. I just He didn't look right to me when he came back. And I, I, I hope he looks like he's got that old explosion back. I mean, he's – I mean, I, I thought, especially in that Houston game, he played really well. Uh, if he can be that player, he can help them in a limited role. And, and I think that having Jordan Howard – and having uh, Miles Sanders here should probably it, – it should prevent Doug Peterson from kind of relying on Sproles too much. Um, I think that was the temptation, right, last year in the playoffs was that Jay Ajayi was gone. Corey Clement was gone. You were down to a, a Josh Adams, a rookie with a bum shoulder, Wendell Smallwood, and Boston Scott who hadn't played yet. So they were just limited – in terms of options, whereas this year, if these guys in front of him stay healthy, I think he can settle into a nice role and not have to be overly relied on. He just turned 36. Uh, I was looking at the <laughs> – it's kind of amazing. I was looking at the history of 36-year-old running backs, 
uh, in the NFL, only eight running backs have had a hundred yards from scrimmage uh, in, in a season at that age. That's hundred. That's six yards a game. Yeah. Uh, that's basically like two carries. Uh, Marcus Allen is one. He's a Hall of Famer, and he did it twice. He did it at thirty-six and thirty-seven. Wow. Um, he was a great player. Probably the best older running back ever. And the other one was John Riggins, who had a big year at 36, uh, another Hall of Famer. Uh, and then there's a couple guys in the 60s and 70s, MacArthur Lane, John Henry Johnson, who's also a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and, then, and then it goes down to, like, I mean, it goes the numbers go down really quickly. You're looking at, like, the 10th best season ever by a 36-year-old running back was a guy named Bill Brown from the Vikings in 1974. He had 82 yards for the whole year. Wow. So it, it, the the number of guys. I'm sorry. Were those scrimmage yards you said? Scrimmage yards, not okay. all-purpose yards, but scrimmage yards. Uh, and just kind of just looking at him on offense, mm. and that's what he's up against. There's a big running backs. I mean, they they tend to go bad at like 31 or 32 if they're so lucky. If they're lucky, sometimes yeah. it's 28 or 29. Um, the the only punt returners who've really been kind of productive as a full time punt returner. Uh, at that age, or Mel Gray, um, Michael Lewis, mm-hmm. Michael Lewis, and uh, Tim Brown, Hall of Famer with the Raiders. It's, it's far, few and far between. That's what he's up against. And yes. I, who do you think the oldest punt returner ever with a with a touchdown is? Ooh, um, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I, I don't either. Yeah, but I'm looking it up. Oh, I thought you had an answer for me. I thought that was like a trivia question. Now, I was going to guess Tim Brown, but... Uh, That's a good guess. Let's see here. It's Tim Brown. Yeah, okay. Tim Brown had one at 30, 35. So, if Darren Sproles returns a punt for a touchdown, uh, which hasn't done the last couple years... Mm-hmm. He's gotten close a couple times. He's, he'll, he'll be the oldest. And he'll also, if he scores any kind of touchdown, rushing, receiving, return, he'll be the oldest eagle ever to score a touchdown. Interesting. Uh, Irving Fryer scored one uh, at... At 36 and change, but but Sproles by opening day will be older than Irv was when he scored um, when he scored his last touchdown as an Eagle. Gotcha. So well, it's yeah. it, I mean it's funny that that you mentioned the history of older running backs because right now you have Darren Sproles and Frank Gore both still in the league at 36, so you can end up having the top two in scrimmage yards over that age this year. Based on those two guys. And Frank Gore had a heck of a year last year for the Dolphins at 35, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 35 or 36. He's, so. I think he's like a month or two older than Sproles. He is, uh, yeah, he's just a few days older. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer, Frank Gore? He's a Hall of Famer, I think. He's on the longevity. I think he's underrated in, in the grand scheme of things based on his production. Almost 50, he'll, he'll go over 15,000 yards early this year, 4.4 average. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a lot of catches. He's got 455 catches, another 4,000 yards, a lot of touchdowns. He's got, he's got 95 career touchdowns. When Frank Gore goes in the Hall of Fame, I think it would be really funny if a bunch of Eagles fans went to Canton to cheer him on. Well, you know, I mean, you look at his career, I think you think of him as a 49er first. Mm-hmm. And then a Colt second, and a Dolphin third, and an Eagle fourth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, how funny would that be if there were just like thousands of Eagles fans cheering him on at the uh, in Canton? That'd be great. Wouldn't put it. Wouldn't put it. Past I wouldn't him. put it past him either. By by the way, Sproles 162 all-purpose yards behind Tim Brown for fifth all-time. Sproles clearly knows that uh, he wants that spot. It would be tough for him to jump in the fourth, but if, if he can stay healthy, he's going to do that. I, obviously, that's a big if. We don't know. 
Um, if he can stay healthy, we don't know how much they can rely on him. But Well, that, that kind of, you know, you think about the Hall of Fame, you think about Darren Sproles. This is, this is like a segue here, Dave. I see what you're doing. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Uh, is, is Darren Sproles ever going to be a Hall of Famer? I don't know. It, it's tough because the all-purpose yards are – I don't. It, we've never really seen a player like Darren Sproles, right. honestly. He's 5'6". He's five, and not even just that. I, I'm just talking from a, a purely production standpoint because he's been a dynamic offensive player, but he's never been like a feature back, and he's been a great return man. But it, it just depends on how much weight you put into these things, and when you put them together, what do you come up with? I don't know. I, I think he has a case for sure. I, I just don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, there was a time – you look at Darren Sproles from like '09 to 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 2016, where he averaged like almost 900 yards from scrimmage. I mean, he was a pretty good running back receiver, and he was you know. So, I think there's there's never been a pure returner put in the Hall of Fame. I think Brian Mitchell you can make a case for, but Darren Sproles' offensive numbers blow away Brian Mitchell's. And that's important to note because Brian Mitchell, obviously the only guy in the top five of all-purpose yards who's not in the Hall of Fame, but I think Sproles has a much better case I would than agree. Brian Mitchell. I would agree. Uh, Brian Mitchell, an- another former Eagle, obviously, late in his career. Uh, but, yeah, to me, Sproles is a much – and Brian Mitchell did – I think he he is up around 5,000 or close to 5,000 offensive yards. So mm-hmm. he did – I mean, he There's did, nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but there's only seven players in history who've had four career punt return touchdowns and 8,000 yards from scrimmage, and two of them are on this team. Deshaun, Deshaun and, and Sproles. Sproles, yeah. So it's, it's interesting to to see them kind of together, you know, both later in their career and both uh, such versatile, productive players. It does kind of speak to the point of how many older guys the Eagles have on their roster right now. They do. It's it's something that I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be talking about. Uh, the the thing about uh, thing about Sproles that I, I love, and and I I did the series of looking at the Hall of Fame chances of a lot of active players with Eagles ties, current or former Eagles, Sproles has averaged in his career 4.9 yards a carry. And he's the only guy in NFL history with 3,000 rushing yards, 3,000 receiving yards, and a rushing average that high. That's not even taken into account as punt returns. Uh, so he's been a pretty good uh, – pretty good. And, and, and Dave mentioned the, um, the guys in all-purpose yards ahead of him. Uh, Jerry Rice, obviously, is first. Brian Mitchell, second. Walter Payton and Emmett, uh, Emmett Smith all have over 21,000 yards. Sproles isn't going to catch them. Um, Jerry Rice, 23,546. He was okay, that guy. He wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, and then Sproles is next with, uh, uh, what's the exact number, um, uh, 19. Um, I just had it here, sorry. Yeah, I just had it here too. But anyway, uh, it's, it's 19,520. So 480 yards gets him 20,000. That's a lot of yards. It's a lot. That's that's a lot of yards. Yeah, he's so. had an incredible career, really, and based on a guy that no one thought was going to have this type of career. Yeah, and and then you look at at being five six, and nobody nobody five six, nobody ha- has done anything close to uh, what, what he's done. And I think you take that. If I'm on the Hall of Fame committee, see, I think the problem with the Hall of Fame they they are looking for like traditional players. They're not looking for I mean, to me, Darren Sproles was as dangerous a player with the ball in his hands for a, a stretch as anybody in the league. He just never had a thousand-yard season, or, or, or you know, 
he he didn't make the Pro Bowl till he got here late in his career. Made mm-hmm. three of them in a row. I think they just look for how many thousand yard seasons, how many Pro Bowls, how many. And and I think there's other ways to look at players and their value. I think so too. And and I wonder, I kind of wonder if it'll happen sooner rather than later, just because people who saw him play kind of know the impact he had. And when you talk about respected players true. across the league, this is where I kind of wish there was some involvement from players and not just writers. Because I think that if players had some say, man, he's so respected among that group that it would help him out a lot. Probably. And, and I I mean, I'm, we're in the media, but I don't like the media vote for this stuff. I just think – you know, guys are like, oh, he didn't give me an interview that day. I'm not going to vote for him. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's I, ridiculous. I think I think there are a lot of guys. I, I do want to just I, – I think there are a lot of guys who really try their best to, to do it and I take agree. it very seriously. I agree. Um, the whole system is broken. I agree with that. I just don't know – I don't have a better option for them. You know, I feel like there is probably some – Have me decide. Just you. That's the better yes option. Yes or no. Eric Thumbs Allen, up. he's in. <laughs> yeah. Seeing Kenton. Well, let, let's get into your series a little bit more. We we, we kind of went through Sproles, and, and you th- you think Sproles is going to get in? I think he eventually yeah. will. Uh, I think he needs. I think if he just has a, a productive year this year and and, and gets to twenty thousand yards, it'd be tough to keep him out. Uh, and, and one thing about this series, I think people kind of misunderstood what I was doing here. I wasn't I wasn't writing whether this person has done enough yet to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, because I think when you look, I think Jason Peters is the only guy that we talked about who has already done enough to really have a good case. Uh, what we're looking at is projecting guys. Zach Ertz has only played six years. If he retired today, well, he'd probably retire after we finish the podcast because <laughs> that's the way it goes. But if he retired tonight, uh, he wouldn't have done enough. But I'm, he's, he's 28. So I'm saying if he continues, like, what does he have to do the rest of his career to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah. And that's what we did with all these guys. Um, so we start with Deshaun Jackson, who's already over 10,000 yards. And, and I think the, the unique thing about, about Deshaun is, um, I mean, he's led the NFL in yards per catch three times for te- three different teams. Mm-hmm. He's got the highest yards per catch in modern football the last 35 years, 17.4. And my favorite stat, the most – 60-yard touchdowns in NFL history with 24 of them, more than Jerry Rice, more than anyone who's ever played the game. They don't put people in the Hall of Fame for being deep threats, but he's got over 10,000 yards. If he can, He's got almost 1,300. If he can get to 12,000, which is like two more seasons at like 800 yards, I don't know if he can do that. I would guess he probably can't, especially in this offense. But if he can, if he can get to 12,000 and not hurt that average and keep that average in the mid-17s, you can make a pretty good case for him. You can make a case, and this kind of goes back to the Sproles thing, though, is that you know the players who get in are traditional players for the most part. It's guys who have done – they've reached this benchmark or this benchmark, and um, it's kind of the reason why, like, whenever you would see Deshaun's pro football focus grade, like, it, it would never add it up. It was always low because um, on a play-by-play basis, he's not the best receiver, but – if one of those plays can break a game, right. that's where his value is. So uh, he's averaged a fifty-yard touchdown every five games in his career. Yeah, it's and, and those are you, I'm gonna give those you are one game more. breakers. That's cha- that changes the dynamic of an individual game, which is it's it's hard to quantify how important that is, but it's it's pretty damn important. That's the whole idea of football, right? Yeah. Uh, only one player in history 
has averaged 17 yards a catch and had 12,000 yards, and it's a former Eagle. And it's not T.O. Really? It's James Lofton. I would not have guessed James Hall Lofton. Of, Hall of Famer. I, yeah. he 27-foot long jumper. Yeah. Uh, James Lofton. So I think if Deshaun can get to that point, I, I don't think he's going to get in. If I had to guess, I don't think so. But you can make a case. Sure. Jason right. Peters. I, I know we disagree a little bit on this. Um, you think he's a slam dunk at this point. I think he's likely. I don't think he's a slam dunk yet. I think one more Pro Bowl. If he gets to 10 career Pro Bowls, we'll cement it. Um, I think the injuries later in his career have hurt him. Um, I think people might look at him as playing too long, especially if this year doesn't go well. But uh, I, I still think he has a better than average chance. Uh, I think he's probably got about a you know seventy-five to eighty percent chance. But I don't think he's a lock yeah. yet. I, I'd put him much high. I, I'm I'm over ninety. I, I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. That's fair, uh, and you could very well be right. Uh, Sh- I went to Shady next. Uh, Shady's already got over ten thousand rushing yards. Uh, he's got almost five hundred catches. Um, 25 more catches, which he'll, he'll get. Uh, he'll become the seventh player in history with 10,000 rushing yards and 500 catches. You know, the, he's not trending well. I mean, he's, he's got all the numbers. He's got the 1,000-yard seasons, the Pro Bowls. He's led the league in rushing and total yards. Uh, but last year was a bad one. He, what, he averaged three yards a carry? Yeah. If he does that again, he's going to be out of the league. Uh, His but peak was so high. It was so high. And that yards per – even with last year, that yards per carry is really beefy at 4.6. This is where you get into the debate of peak versus accumulators, right? Like Frank Gore, I don't want to say he doesn't – he obviously deserves to be a, a, a Hall of Famer, but he's more or less been an accumulator, a very good player for a very long time, where Shady was a dynamic player for yeah. a shorter period of time. How do you weigh those things? Yeah, um, Shady's 4.5 yard, career yards per carry is seventh highest among all backs with 10,000 yards, and all the ones above him are in the Hall of Fame. Well, Interesting. I, I don't think he's going to get in. I, I think last year, um, and I think this is where the media thing falls into play. I, I think there's a lot of writers that don't like him. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't helped himself from that standpoint, right or wrong. If I was a voter, I mean, I, I'd certainly vote for him, but he likes me. He does <laughs> so like you. He likes me. But, yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I think if he – now, if he goes out and runs for 1,100 yards this year with a 4.3 um, and, and gets that number up into, like, you know, 11,400. Uh, yeah. But I, I just – I don't see that. I don't see it either. I, you know, and, and we'll see what happens in Buffalo. Uh, if he's there, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I did. I put Kelsey in here, and you know he's obviously the biggest long shot of this whole group. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of centers that have two Pro Bowls, two All Pro first teams, won a Super Bowl. Um, durable guy. He's the only center in the NFL to start all 64 games over the last four years for the same team. Wow. Which that's not why you you're not going to go in the Hall of Fame for that. But you know he's 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 a very good player, six round pick. Um, He's he's quietly made a case. I, I kind of agree with you. He's not. He's probably not going to end up in Canton, but he, he's made a case. If he can get two more All Pros, which is an extreme long shot, but I mean, he did make All Pro last year. And it is a little easier to to do it once you've once you've done it. Once you've done it. Problem for him is Travis Frederick comes back this year, and he's a really good player. Alex Mack is still in the league, so you have other guys who are good. I, it, it would take more. For sure, for him to make it. I think two more all pros, and he's in the conversation. And who knows? I mean, later in his career, you know, he's he's starting to get those all pros. Uh, really good player. Zach Ertz, the numbers are kind of crazy. 
uh, because he's piled up numbers in just six years, 437 catches, most ever by a tight end after six years. Um, if he continues at his pace, the, the numbers are crazy. I mean, he's already 31st ever in catches by a tight end. Um, at his current pace, he'll be in the top 10 in just 26 games. So wow. at the end of 2020 or, yeah, middle of end of 2020, if he doesn't get hurt and just averages five and a half catches a game, which he's averaged um, through his career, he'll be in the top 10 in history at 31. Yeah, and oddly I think his timing of when he played is going to help him a little bit because Jason Witten, Antonio Gates, Gronk, they're all going to be in the hall long before he's eligible. Yeah. So you're going to have him and you know maybe Travis Kelsey at that point um, who might end up having a better career, but yeah. Kelsey's going to be right there. Or yeah. Kelsey, I mean, Ertz is going to be right there. Yeah, and, and the thing about Ertz, you also factor in what he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, this guy, yeah. the only player ever to have a game-winning um, – uh, a, or a, a fourth down reception on the game-winning drive of a Super Bowl and, and then obviously scored the touchdown at the end. Um, and you take that into account, certainly. Fletcher Cox, uh, again, another guy who has to do it for a few more years, but he's made the Pro Bowl four straight years. Uh, and and I, that's late. I mean, yes. people showed up to the Fletcher Cox party a couple years too late. Absolutely. Um, he was already a, a dominant player, and it, it took him a while because he's not a big sack guy to get the recognition he deserves. For, for not a big sack guy, ten and a half last year. He's got forty five. Mm-hmm. So you know, if he get, I mean, if he gets into, I think the one thing that's going to really work against him is people going to say, "Well, was he as good as Aaron Donald?" Yeah, and, and there were other dominant players. I mean, Dominican Sue for a while there was yeah. dominant, and Jarrell Casey, and um, but you know, I think when all's said and done, he's going to be second to. Aaron Donald in terms of interior rushers. You can argue that J.J. Watt's an interior guy because he plays a 3-4 end, but um, I think people are going to look at J.J. differently than they look at Cox and Donald. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, uh, It's kind of crazy. He, he made his first all-pro team last year. Yeah. He's been all-pro caliber for a while now, but there have just been other guys to have tremendous seasons the same years as him. Um, but he's putting together a really nice career, and I think you're right. If, if he a couple more Pro Bowl years, he's 28, so I mean he's going to have to play, you know, into his 30s. He makes eight Pro Bowls. If he makes the Pro Bowl in each of the next four seasons, eight straight. Yeah, I think, I think he's got a good shot. So uh, out of those guys, tell me who you think's in. Out of those seven guys, uh, Peters, um, Cox, and. I'm I'm not totally sold on Ertz because mm-hmm. I think it's harder to project a skill position guy like sure. that, um, especially in this offense. But I'll give a slight nod to Ertz. I think he can put together the seasons, but I'm not sold on that. Yeah, and Sproles, no, no. I yeah. and, and that's not a knock on him because I'd put him in, but I don't think the voters are going to put him in. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes on Sproles, and I'll agree with the rest. Uh, the rest of yours. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on then. Um, to something that I think should be kind of fun, we've uh, we've talked about these guys before. The um, every year in training camp, there are players who might not be the most talented. They're not going to go on to make your Hall of Fame lists, but uh, they're the they're the guys in the summertime that kind of take over the news. Uh, a lot of them end up being receivers because those guys can can show up big when it 
when it matters in training camp, but then they're not really necessarily going to have great careers. So I just want to run through some of these names because it's been fun to kind of relive some of these guys. And thank you for helping me put this list together. And a bunch of fans now are tweeting me names that I missed, which is fine. I mean, I think we all remember them differently, but we'll just run through some of these guys. Yeah. Uh, Paul Turner, who I think exemplifies that among the, the most recent classes the most. He, he was he was a sensation he really <laughs> during was. that training camp. Uh, Rashid Bailey, local kid from yeah. Roxborough who fit that bill a couple Delaware of years. Delaware Valley College. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Henry Josie. Uh, people agree with this one. He, people loved Henry. Josie. I got ripped so bad when I when I tweeted that nobody was going to claim him. On <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. You averaged 17 yards a carry. People loved Henry Josie. Uh, Hank Basket, yeah. who ended up having a, a nice little career. Yeah. Um, and now he's probably more known for being a reality star. But as strange as that is. Yeah, but no, when when back in it was how strange was that? It was oh five. It was. Go ahead. Six. Because they traded, he was undrafted, and then they traded Billy McMullen for him as an undrafted player. Yeah, uh, which I don't think. Oh I, yeah, was, yeah, right. Oh yeah, six. I don't think I've ever heard of that again. I, I don't. That just doesn't happen. That well, what I remember is my favorite. One of my favorite memories of Lehigh was yeah, it was oh six because To wasn't there. Um, they had suspended him late the year before after the Broncos game, so To wasn't there. So Baskets making all these incredible diving catches. And uh, by the way, seven foot high jumper in college. He was he was Mountain West uh, Conference champ in the high jump. Anyway, uh, and you know everybody in '04 and '05 in training camp was doing the To chant at training camp at Lehigh. To To To. So then everybody started going basket, 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 <laughs> basket, basket. And it was yeah, it was it was really funny. And uh, so yeah, he was he was incredible. He caught everything. Diving, leaping. He made some plays in in real games, too. I mean, he had a decent little career. The only undrafted player in NFL history with three touchdowns of 80 yards or more. He did catch the deep ball, didn't he? And he was slow. It was a weird deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Demaris Johnson is next. Uh, A lot of these guys are tiny guys because I think fans see themselves in Demaris Johnson. Um, He he stuck around the league a little bit. He did. I actually covered him in Houston, too. He he ended up there for a little bit. Had a decent – Decent little career. Um, Brandon Gibson, next, another receiver. Made the greatest catch I've ever seen. Really? It wasn't a training camp. It was at practice when he was on the practice squad right here at the Novacare Complex. I actually did a story on it. It was, a, really? it was the greatest catch I've ever seen. He went up and he was triple teamed. And <laughs> one, like one-handed leaping catch and got traded to the Rams, I think, right after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he did. And he had a good year for the Rams, too. He did. Yeah. Um, Lorenzo Booker. Played five years in the league, Brandon Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorenzo Booker, who came here in— Well, he caught 233 passes. Yeah, I know. Bradford loved him. I remember that. Yeah. Bradford, I remember the last conversation I ever had with Sam Bradford before he got traded. It was like the day before he got traded in the locker room. It was, Brandon it was, Gibson. It was a quiet day, and I was like, man, that Brandon Gibson. Like, oh, I love that guy. He caught everything. <laughs> uh, Lorenzo Booker. <laughs> yeah. Who, I, I didn't fall for that whole thing, but, yeah. People fell for well, it. Well, mainly writers. I'm yeah. not sure fans liked him. The writers loved him. Well, I mean, he was a third-round pick in Miami, and then he, he comes here and, yeah, it didn't, <laughs> didn't go great. Um, next up, Nay Brown, who was kind of one of the originals, really. Everyone thought he was going to be here for a long time with McNabb, and, and that didn't quite work out. Nay Brown did catch a touchdown in a playoff game. Okay. I believe it might have been the first 
touchdown pass Donovan ever threw in the postseason. Wow. I'm going to look that up. Well, you look that up. I'll keep going with the list here. Uh, Ryan Motes, another small running back. Uh, another guy people really loved at Louisiana Tech in 2005. Um, yeah, he, he ended up going to Houston. Another guy, it's a weird pipeline, I guess, ended up with the Texans and, and had a good season there. Uh, Riley Cooper. I was right. You're right. Yeah, it was the Tampa wildcard game in 2000. Um, second quarter, uh, Eagles are up 7-3. Donovan, five-yard pass to Nate Brown. 12 seconds left before halftime. There you go. That's good knowledge. It's a lucky guess. It's scary that I don't know where I parked today, but I can tell yeah, you that's, Donovan's that's first. Scary. That's really scary. Um, Riley Cooper, who ended up obviously having a career and then a, a really strange career, and we all know that situation. But back when he first got to camp, yeah, he was – there were a lot of people who – Fifth-round pick. Yeah. Fifth-round pick, but he was a big target and uh, certainly played well that summer. Corey Clement I put on the list. Uh, before he was a Super Bowl hero, he was the local kid who everyone's pushing for, and I was wrong on Corey. I will, I will vouch for, or I will say that uh, proudly. I, I didn't think he was going to make the roster. I didn't think he deserved the spot, and then he ends up having a really good rookie year and having 100 a yards. Good last his, month, he really didn't do much till. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, down he, the stretch, um, 100 yards of Super Bowl is hard to argue with. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Chad Hall, who Air Force Air Force went on draft in 2008, but he had he served his two years and then in 2010 came to the Eagles. I will never forget Andy running a goal line draw to Chad Hall. You remember that play? Andy loved him some Chad Hall. Loved Chad Hall. Chad Hall's now, I believe, coaching with Sean McDermott he in is. Buffalo. He's the receivers coach in Buffalo. Uh, next one up, I have Brandon Boykin, 2012, who really got off to a great start in his career. Six picks that rookie year, mm-hmm. right? or yeah. second year. Second year, yeah. yeah. But he, he had a really nice career, a short career, got traded to Pittsburgh. and um, Had a bunch of injuries. A bunch of injuries, a degenerative hit problem yeah. is believed with him uh, out of the league right now. Clay Harbor, uh, who, who <laughs> I, many, I bought how, into. How many reality stars are you going to go with here? <laughs> a lot of reality stars. Uh, apparently he wants to make a comeback. Really? I don't know if he's going to have a lot well, You know, of I tweeted to him. He was tweeting about what, what show? I don't even know what show he's on. I don't know. You know, some. some it was know. a dating show, right? Yeah, I think it was a dating show. Yeah. And he was tweeting about, like, you know, just like, oh, is this, you know, do I, this girl or this girl, you know, who am I? And I'm like, dude, you, you were a freaking NFL player. Like, get a hold <laughs> of yourself. And he, like, he tweeted back just laughing. I was like, dude, you know, I mean, come on. This is, can't really be you. That was 2010. Really? Clay Harbor. Wow. Rookie, yeah. Uh, Marvin McNutt, 2012. People oh. love them some Marvin McNutt. Um, I'm trying to remember. Iowa? That's very good, yeah, because he, um, he was a quarterback originally, and then he changed to a receiver. That's a good And good he pull. bounced around the league forever. I mean, he was – A little bit, yeah. Uh, he, the last he showed up, he was the head coach of the Cedar Rapids Titans – of the Indoor Football League in 2016. Really? Yeah, that's the last mention of him I could find. Uh, Jordan Mylotta last year, you kind of know the situation. But sure. I don't think I've ever been asked about a player in training camp as much as I was mm-hmm. about him last year. Uh, DeAndre Carter yeah. last year, interesting with him because he showed up during training camp and then and ended up making story. the team. And what a great story. I mean, he, yeah. he was just going to keep trying until he stuck, and he did. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, G.J. Kinney, who's now on the coaching staff. Yes, but he is. People love G.J. Kinney. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. He was fun. He oh, was, he was. He was a great dude, and that helped him. I mean, personality sometimes plays a role. In- great dude, and he could run. He could mm-hmm. run like the wind. 
And this is one you gave me that I didn't have on my initial list. Michael Gasperson. Hard <laughs> <laughs> to believe you didn't have him on your original list. Out of list. Uh, San Diego. Uh, big receiver, again, uh, kind of like a lot of these guys. They're either really big or really small to That's make this right. list. No six one guys. <laughs> and the last one I have is Billy Hess, who uh, I, I'll be honest, this is not one of mine. I was a baby when Billy Hess uh, was at Westchester in training camp, but a Westchester grad who then stayed local and right. he still lives around here and we see him at training camp. Yeah, I'll introduce you to him next week. I, I look forward to it. I'll tell him he made the list. Uh, and he caught everything, and he ended up. He ended up on the practice squad a couple years. Yeah, he did. I had some other names here that people sent in. Yeah. Um, Jeremy Bloom, Tony Hunt. I just heard from Jeremy Bloom. Did you? Great guy. Um, you know uh, his uh, his sister, right? The uh, the whole the, yeah. I remember talking to Jeff Lurie about watching that. Uh, he watched that movie before the Super Bowl. That was like one of his activities that week. He watched mm-hmm. that movie. Wow. Uh, Cornelius Ingram, Yourselle Johansson, Marvin Hargrove. One thing about well, Mar- Marvin Hargrove was never in training camp. He signed. After the season, st- after okay. we were back here, he went up to Buddy at, at JFK after practice and asked for a workout. Okay, and I knew Marv because he had been the Burlington County long jump champion and state champion in long jump. And uh, how many long jump references are you going to sneak into this at podcast? At least three. I got one more to one more to go. You've long jumped the shark, <laughs> but oh God, but uh, <laughs> Marv asked for a workout and ran like a four two. They signed him and he caught a touchdown in his first game. It was great. Sorry, but it w- that's he, a cool story. It wasn't in training yeah. camp. Um, who else did you mention just now? Well, Ingram was Ingram is a good one. He was pretty he, good. He almost made the list, um, but then I, I took a Harbor over him. We could have. I, I wanted the tight end. Um, <laughs> Yoselio Johansson for a while was a. I don't remember him. No, being, I remember a little bit of hype. Von Hebron. Just Jeff Mosher loved him. So <laughs> uh, he, he Von Hebron hyping. in '93. This is what someone said. Do you remember that? No, I remember him getting hurt on the sideline. Okay. Yeah. Tony Hunt's a good one. Yeah, I guess. You don't think Boy, so? he was awful. No, yeah, I, he, I, yeah. Okay. I don't remember him doing anything. Well, I do want to uh, – let's take some nominees for this year. This year's training camp hero? Yeah. I think Boston Scott's got a really good chance. I do too. I think Mark and Michelle, my guy, has a shot. I'll tell you who else. Um, Charles Johnson too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of those receivers Yeah. has a shot at being that guy. Um, Boston Scott, if it's going to be a running back, it's – it's going to be Boston, be Boston Scott. Scott. It's funny because Donnell Pumphrey could have the greatest training camp in the world, and it won't be him. No, because everybody, we're not, I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he will. I, he will have a good training camp. He could. Yeah. Yeah, because he's. I mean, there he's, aren't a ton of candidates, right? I mean, well, you know, certainly think, some of the unknown guys. Um, you know, I wouldn't put Arcega Whiteside in that category, but he's going to blow people away yeah. when they see him. But he, I mean, he's going to make the team, so. Um, Dallas know, Goddard is going to have a great camp probably, but he's not in that. I think a guy like Sharif Miller and you know, go defense could. Okay. You know, I mean. How it, about like T.J. Edwards? Could be. Mm-hmm. If um, you're looking at defense. DeAndre, Hop- uh, DeAndre Tompkins. Okay. The punt returner. That kind of he guy. He has a problem with drops, though. So if yeah. he drops a few, he's out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he, we kind of tend to think of running backs and receivers when, when we talk about this. But, um, I, I you know, certainly uh, linemen. I mean, I, I could see um, – Melata, you know, just kind of taking a big step and, and sure. people kind of just going going down to that end of the field and watching his one on ones, yeah, and, and that kind of thing. But I think Boston Scott's my guy. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna blow people's minds. 
and then get cut, and we'll never hear from him again. <laughs> and he'll end up in Canada or something. Yeah, I'll go Mark and Michelle. That's my you official love vote. Him. You love your. I think he's a fun player, so I think that people will like him. But you're right, Charles Johnson is not a bad one either. He could make some like highlight reel because they both play. Like catches. Mark and Michelle was in the CFL, right? Yeah. for a few years. Yeah, so they both have some experience yeah. that helps them. They'll look good. Look better than some of the other like. Yeah. Rookie guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um. All right, uh, I do want to go through real quick. I did. I put a, together an NFC East team. Uh, an all-NFC East team, and, and kind of like you'd expect there were more. I'm having a deja vu here. Yeah, there were more Eagles on the roster uh, than any other team. There were nine Eagles out of 22 on the first team, eight Cowboys, and then not many Redskins or Giants, which is kind of what you'd anticipate too. Um, why don't you try to guess my Eagles on the list? Put you on the spot. Um, uh, well, on offense, I would say Carson Wentz would likely be your quarterback. Yep. Um I would say, uh, you know, I, I would say Ertz would be your tight end. Yes. Um, Lane would be your right tackle. Correct. Kelsey would be your center. Correct. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would put Brandon Brooks at right guard. I have a feeling you didn't. I didn't. I put Zach Martin there. Yeah. Who, I mean, it's hard to argue against Zach Martin. He's really good. See, when I think of Zach Martin, I think of the former Shawnee basketball player. <laughs> Not that guy. Different one. On their on their championship team, yeah. Uh, but um, I do have two more. I have Alshon and Nelson. Uh, the receivers really? in in the NFCs aren't great. I mean, I have Amari Cooper, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar as my first team receivers. I, I did change it by I, like I have Nelson as the slot. Right. Um, Interesting. Yeah. If I just went three receivers flat, I probably would put Deshaun there. What about Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean. I mean Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a spot open this year. <laughs> right, so, yeah. Let me guess. Uh, Eagles on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fletcher, obviously. Yep. Um, I guess not Bradham. Uh, I only have three, and Bradham is one of them. Is Bradham one mm-hmm. of them? And then Malcolm. Malcolm, yeah. yeah. It was kind of funny because I ended up with uh, two Redskins on the first team instead of uh, on the first team defensive line and one Eagle, but – who was I going to put up there? I mean, I, I have Jonathan Allen and Ryan Kerrigan, along with Fletcher Cox and Demarcus Lawrence. I guess you could argue Malik Jackson, but right now I'd take Jonathan Allen. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I like Brandon Graham, but I, Kerrigan and Lawrence both deserve to be there. Um, yeah. I just wanted to go through that real quick. Good stuff. Yeah, you disagree with any of it? Just Brandon Brooks. Uh, a healthy Brandon Brooks I would take over um, – over Martin, but yeah, it is crazy. The right guard in the division is so deep. Yeah, uh, I have Brandon Sheriff on the not on. He'd be on the third team. It's pretty good. Player. And he's he might be watching his best player, but he only played eight games right. last year. Uh, all right. So the last thing I wanted to do here, uh, this was a tweet um, that I saw. It's a baseball centric tweet, so we're going to kind of mold it for our purposes. Um, it's it's from a guy named Mike Sutton. It says his uh, Twitter handle is that's a bad take. I saw this bouncing around a little bit. You can take one player from your favorite team's history and add him to the current team. The catch is he can't be a Hall of Famer, MVP, or have won a World Series with the franchise. We'll call that a Super Bowl for our purposes. Uh, who would you add to this Eagles team? That's uh, it, a great. It's an interesting question. I went with. I, I, there's nobody on offense because most of their best players were on the Super Bowl team. Yeah, I mean, if, you, and, if that if that wasn't. One of the things I would have said, uh, Jason Peters of five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I w- I'm going to go because I-, I have so many questions about the de- defensive end position. Obviously, Reggie White's not eligible. Mm. Um, I'm going to go Clyde Simmons. 
Okay, that's a good one. Because Clyde Simmons was, I mean, he would get you 12, 14 sacks. He would stuff the run. Uh, really an incredible player. I think one of the greatest defensive ends I've ever seen. Um, unfairly maligned for just playing next to Reggie. Uh, it's not his fault he had a really good player on the other side. Reggie benefited from Clyde, too. Clyde got double teamed. Clyde went to Jacksonville and had like 13 sacks. Went to Arizona and had 11 sacks. So he he was a really good player even away from Reggie White. He proved that. Uh, he was 10th in NFL history in sacks when he retired. Yeah. Uh, so I would go Clyde Simmons, bolster that defensive end, get, you know, uh, maybe limit Brandon Graham's reps, start, start Clyde in his prime and Derek Barnett as the young guy. And Brandon uh, coming off the bench. That's not bad. I, I kind of went along. I thought like a Trent Cole in his prime, that would really help. I was, it was one or the other. But I thought yeah. Clyde's going to give you a little. I mean, Trent was good against the run, but Clyde was. I mean, he was two ninety. Yeah. As a defensive end, and and could move and rush the passer, but also was just a stud against the run. Yeah, I, I kind of think Trent like fits what they do, and I, I like the idea that um, you could kind of rotate him a little bit. And keep it going. I think we, I think we're on the same line, there. So you're going Trent Cole. Trent Cole, yeah, that's my pick. It, Those are my two finalists. That's good. I'm glad we picked different ones. Otherwise, we would have had to <laughs> agree with each other. <laughs> Can't let that happen. Uh, I did think about Shady. Yeah, Shady in his prime. I, look, I know they have Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders and Darren Sproles, but a Shady in his prime on this team. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean that offense would be really dynamic. Um. That was kind of my thought. I, I, I thought about maybe, like, Trey, left tackle. But if Jason Peters is back to himself this year, he's going to be better than Trey, yeah. even in his prime. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there weren't many on offense you could really. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, I guess you could say T.O., right? Could, he, I thought about him, but I mean, I don't but, want him on my team. <laughs> yeah, that's a part of it, right? Well, he was great. I mean, what a great player. Uh, yeah. you, you can make a case. But, again, I like the receivers, and I don't think they need – I think the the, the de- upgrade there yeah, wouldn't be as much exactly as as it would a defensive end. I, I just want to, uh, if we have a minute left, just go off topic a little and, and just uh, mention an event I was at yesterday, which was um, uh, it was a blast. It was called Brewhouse Rocks. It was at World Cafe Live, and it was basically a battle of the bands among six breweries in the Philly area that all had, and each band had to be members of or employees of the of the brewery. All, all the members. Every of member the, had to oh, okay. be. Okay, so they couldn't like no ringers. Like, hey, Joey, go play the no. go play the tambourine. Joey was not playing the tambourine. Okay. Um, so it was um, Crime and Punishment Brewery. Uh, the band was Dogs on Main Street. They were they were really good. Double Nickel Brewery, Hot Caustic. They were great. Uh, Tonewood Brewery, one of my favorites down in Collingswood. Um, they had a Grateful Dead cover band okay. uh, called um, Cellar Dweller. Uh, and and they, they all put the bands together just for this event. Like they're they, none of them. Oh, they're not real bands. They're not real bands. Oh, but wow. they, you could have fooled me. They were really good. Um, there was uh, Victory Brewery had um, a hip hop duo. Um, they were hilarious. Eddie and the Illist. Uh, Weyerbacher's band Duster V. Weyerbacher's up in Easton, I think, mm-hmm. or Scranton, up there somewhere. Anything north of like Quaker Towns, you know. I'm out. I don't know. It's the Poconos yeah. to me. But um, this band Duster V. They did all like '90s hard rock covers. They That's even did cool. a. Um, uh, a Britney Spears cover, okay. uh, hard rock version, and they had like really two really good guitar players. They were great. Uh, the winner was the last band. It was the Yards Brewery. Their band was called Yeast Factory. Oh, <laughs> they, they, they won the best name, uh, but they did all like heavy metal, um, like Iron Maiden covers and uh, uh, Metallica and that kind of thing. And okay. they had incredible chops. 
Um, they they ended up winning. Their their lead singer didn't play an instrument, so when there was a long instrumental inter- interlude, he sat on a stool doing a crossword puzzle. It was <laughs> I like hilarious. That. That's good. It was this big burly dude with this big beard, and you know, um, it, it was really cool. It was a fun event, and. Uh, yeah, it was fun to be a part when of it. When was that, Saturday? That was yesterday. Sunday. Yeah, so I'm still kind of recovering because each brewery had their beer, like, featured. Okay. And uh, my favorite beer was actually Crime and Punishment had a, I think it was called Space Race IPA. Oh, yeah? That was delicious. I'll have to give that a go. Yeah, it was really good. And, uh, yeah, shout out to the other judges were awesome. There's a band called Full Bush from Philadelphia. They were a judge. Um my man Jackson from WMMR was a judge. Okay, cool. And um, there was a, uh, a beer blog called uh, Fear of a Craft Beer Planet. And those guys, I believe it was Ryan and Rob. Yeah, because Rob and Ryan. Rob and Ryan. Rob Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha, you, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, and they were, they were one judge. The two of them were one judge. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was a fun event. So i I just like everyone to know that if you need, um, if you need a judge for a, a, a Battle of the Bands or a beer contest – or both at the same time, I'm now experienced and available. Are you putting out your resume That's here? That's my resume for, yeah. Will you still do this podcast? No, I'd probably give up the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. Well, so. this is this is our podcast to start the week. Yes. The first week of training camp. We're going to have a lot more. Uh, we're going to really ramp this up because we're, we're getting going here. Uh, before you, we were talking about Jacksonville, we're going to be down there really soon. The like preseason. Is going to start a week before that with the Tennessee game. So what's that? Uh, August sixth or something? August eighth, I August think. August eighth. Yeah. What's today? The twenty first or something? Yeah. Today's the twenty second. Yeah. So two and a half weeks till preseason. Game. Yeah, we're going to be here before you know it. So we're going to ramp up everything. Training camp starts later this week. We'll have more pods uh, coming later this week. Why don't we do on Wednesday? Of, yeah. And then do on after practice Thursday. I think that's the way we're going to do it. All right, let's do that. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Eagle Eye Podcast for Rubom Dave. We'll see you next time.